Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 25-8 Sportscast. I'm your more important host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as always, and by default, the less important host, Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how are we today? Yeah, the um, the hostility is real <laughs> for episode number 41. Not really sure. I think uh, a good length between our last episode and this episode, only a week's worth of time. I know people were anxiously craving the next episode for our podcast is Tommy sticks his tongue at me for, for some apparent reason. Uh, but we're, we're back and we're back better than ever. I know we've had some long breaks every now and then, but just cause we're away for a little bit doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're still all in it. I'm all in it. I don't know if Tommy is, but I'm, I'm ready to go for this episode. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I think what Jet, summing up what Jet really meant to say there was apologies for our prolonged hiatus. Life gets in the way. Happy 4th. I hope you guys all enjoyed your 4th of July weekend. I know I did had some family come into town and, you know, since I'm 21 now, I'm legally allowed to say this. We had some fun. Either way, Jet, let's get into it. Today we'll be talking about... I I cannot say that just yet. Yeah, Not just yet. Continue on. On episode 41, we will obviously eventually get to our NFC North predictions because that would make sense because we've gone through the rest of the NFC so far. Um, So NFC North will probably come towards the end of the show. Baker Mayfield was just traded to the Carolina Panthers, which we'll talk about first. And then somewhere in between, we're going to talk about a little bit of NBA free agency, which we keep promising but have not gotten to yet. I know our our in-person guest from last episode really was kind of pushing the Pushing the throttle towards the end there, so we had to sum up the show quickly. And don't worry, if, any, if anyone's been keeping up on, on that end, everything is fine now, and, and everything is, you know, full forces ahead, so. <laughs> Jet, okay, buddy. The Cleveland Browns agreed to trade quarterback Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers on Wednesday for a 2024 conditional draft pick. That draft pick will be a fifth rounder, it's looking like. The Panthers are paying about $5 million in Mayfield's salary, while the Browns are still going to be paying $10.5 million of his salary. Um, the rest of the salary, uh, $18.8 million, will convert to incentives to facilitate the deal, which is pending a physical. Um, honestly, you know, really whatever that means, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, interesting, Jet. They have, the Panthers now have on their quarterback depth chart the 2018 first overall pick and the 2018 third overall pick. Obviously, both these guys' careers have not panned out how they expected. Baker Mayfield came into the league. He looked like a world changer because he turned the worst Browns team ever into something feasible. It, it turned into something that you know people could watch. They got that first win after, I think it was almost two years of not winning a football game, um, and people were just excited to see it. It was kind of like when people rooted for the Lions this Season to win a game. Um, people, people just like that stuff. Jet, uh, my initial take on this on this deal was I don't think he set the quarterback market, and really by quarterback market, I just mean Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't really think that this deal changed anything to happen with Garoppolo because it, it's a super wacky deal as far as, you know, the Browns are still paying part of his salary. Um the Panthers got him for literally dirt cheap, and, and that's that's what he was going for because the Browns just wanted him gone. Um, and obviously, this close to an NFL season, everybody has their what they want at quarterback underway. And funnily enough, the only team that may not is the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, with a historically bad franchise, historically bad ownership, 
that's kind of what you'd expect. Deshaun Watson comes into town. We don't even know if he's going to play at all this season or next season or ever again. Um, and Baker Mayfield still is just – and obviously relationship is damaged beyond repair with what they did this offseason to Baker. I'm not a huge Baker fan, but the, there's no coming back from that. The, what they did to him was wrong. Um, they, they kept him in the dark at times. You know, they very, very cold turkey they cut him off, even though he played – Basically, all of last season through injuries for that franchise. Um, I don't know, Jet. What, what's your initial takes? It, yeah. It's it's tough to break down, really. Definitely. There's a lot, a lot behind the scenes that you know isn't just on this initial paper, but yeah. An, an abrupt ending to that Baker Mayfield Cleveland Browns relationship. Not how you want to see that end, especially considering you know the Browns surprised a lot of people when they initially take took him number one overall in that draft and you know he had a very good rookie season obviously followed that up a couple seasons later with getting the browns their first playoff victory in quite some time and you know baker mayfield had some very nice moments for a browns franchise that has been awful in recent memory and you know Whenever you have some some good on your team, what do you do? Apparently, you just trash the player and you just, you know, really ruin the relationship. But that that's not how a good organization is run. And, and obviously, the Browns are a totally different organization than, you know, a good organization just because, and it's obvious with their, with their history, what they have shown. And it's even more evident in them willing to trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson, clearly not looking into that in, in full detail. And, and that's more telling now especially with you know Deshaun Watson most likely going to get suspended but as far as the impact on the Carolina Panthers I like the move a lot I think I I think we both agree that Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold and I think what we saw last year from Baker Mayfield I think we need to throw that in the trash I don't think that's anywhere near what Baker Mayfield's potential is I'm not saying he has you know top 15 quarterback potential in this league, but he is a very serviceable serviceable quarterback who, you know, deserves to start in this league. And for the Panthers, I definitely don't think he's going to be their long-term option. I mean, they drafted Matt Corral for a reason. Will he be that long-term option? That's to be determined. But in the meantime, like, You've, you've had a Panthers team that has really struggled these past few seasons, and a, a lot of that's been the quarterback play. They brought back Cam Newton. They obviously traded. They paid a hefty price for Sam Darnold, which, you know, is is another interesting move they've made. But And and they got, they got Baker Mayfield for a very good deal considering the pedigree with him, and I think he elevates all the offensive players on this team, DJ Moore, Terrace, Terrace Marshall, uh, Tommy Tremble. Christian McCaffrey as well, obviously. So I just think the difference between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, I think Baker Mayfield's just going to be able to make some of the throws that Sam Dar- Darnold can't. Not to say that this team all of a sudden becomes a playoff team, which I don't think that's the case, even though they're in a very weak division. I think, though, now it, it's more, than, more and more likely that they could potentially compete for uh, second place in the NFC, so, NFC South because I think, you know, we all know how important quarterback plays in the NFL. Yeah, and Jet, I, I'm not, like, as as high as you are on Baker. Obviously, I know you're not – you don't think he's a top 10 quarterback, obviously. I don't think he's really even the top 25 quarterback, and if he is, it's on the it's on the very latter, latter side of it. This is, this is something I pulled directly from the herd with Colin Cowherd. And if any of you watch the show, 
you know his opinions on on Baker Mayfield. He it's like his least favorite quarterback ever. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not talking about any any opinion based things. This is strictly numbers, strictly facts. Baker Mayfield, here he is. So they they, they titled the, the segment the report card is in. So Baker was with the Browns since 2018. Since 2000 and, and Baker's had you know obviously he's had terrible coaches being with the Browns. He's had a few average coaches. Kevin Stavansky, I think, is is he's a good coach. I think he's a top ten coach in the NFL. If not, it's he's close to it. Kind of like a Dak Prescott as far as quarterbacks go. Situation. So he and and that's that's life in the NFL. Every quarterback lives through the ups and downs of coaching staffs, uh, supporting cast rosters, blah 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 blah. Baker Mayfield's career with the Browns since 2018, among 50 qualified quarterbacks. Here's how he ranks. Completion percentage, 61.6 completion percentage with the Cleveland Browns. That's 45th among 50 qualifying quarterbacks. Touchdown to interception ratio, 92 to 56. That's 32nd among qualifying quarterbacks. Passing yards per game, 235.4. 28th among 50 qualified quarterbacks. And passer rating, 87.8. That's 35th among qualified quarterbacks. So he's only he's only starting in the league in two of these stats, and that's twenty eight and thirty second. Now you say, well, you know, he's had he had a bad year with the terrible O line. He had a bad year with terrible coaching. So let's get rid of his first year. Let's just take it to Kevin Stefanski, top ten O line. Nick Chubb, weapons all around him. Let's take let's take it to that level. Here's Baker Mayfield with Kevin Stefanski among forty four qualified quarterbacks. Completion percentage, 61.7. That ranks 36th of 44. Touchdown interception, 43 to 21. That's pretty good. That ranks 19th of 44. Pass yards per game, 219.1. 27th of 44. Passer rating is 90 even. That's 27th of 44 as well. Now, last thing you can say to me as well, last year he played through injuries the whole entire year, which is true. And then so what Colin did was he pulled – Baker Mayfield's best four-game stretch of his entire career. This is weeks 12 through 15 of the 2020 NFL season against the Jaguars, Titans, and at home uh, against the Ravens and Giants. He went 3-1 and one with a completion percentage of 70.2, 10-1 touchdown interception ratio, 308 passing yards per game, and a 117 passer rating. That's pretty good, but Jet, it's four games. The sample size is way too small to, you know, be hanging on to this Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I just, I don't think that we're seeing anything out of Baker Mayfield that we really can't get out of Sam Darnold. I think the trade doesn't really make sense for the Panthers, other than just to have depth. Um, but depth is stupid when you just drafted a quarterback in the third round. So interesting decision. Panthers are another historically bad franchise. So, you know, you, you just can't expect great things from franchises like the Browns, like the Panthers, like the Brooklyn Nets, which we can get to in a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, let me, but, respond, you know, let me respond to that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. To be clear, like, you know, I know Baker Mayfield is not a great quarterback and I, and I've said that, but there, there is definitely a lot of things to like, in my opinion. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, taking out a few of the seasons where one last year, totally take that away considering he was playing through injury all year. And then another year, I just, it's, it's hard to like 
counted as the same as his one year with Freddie Kitchens as coach in 2019, where he didn't have right. an, an awful year, but he was in a very, very bad situation there. Then you look at his other two seasons, 2018 coming in and in his rookie year showed a lot of, lot of promise early on um, in his rookie season. And he continued that for, for the remainder of it. And then in 2020, obviously that's been his best season to date, 85.7 PFF grade ranked eighth among quarterbacks. He looked like he was starting to make that first round pick status well worth it. And I think when you look at his two best seasons, I think that's more indicative of the quarterback that Baker Mayfield can be in this league. And, and here, here's, here's an interesting stat that I found. So um, there's a, a, there's a metric that uh, pro football focus does called the big throw rate. And, and basically uh, what, what that is, is a, a big throw is described as a pass with excellent ball location and timing. And it, they're generally thrown further down to field or in tighter windows among quarterbacks since uh, let's see, since, since he came into the league, He's his big time throw rate ranks fifth in the NFL at 5.8% behind only Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Matthew Stafford. And, and obviously, you know, that's only one stat, but. And, and say real quick again, what does big throw rate measure? Yeah. So a big, a big throw is basically a ball that is, it's a pass with an excellent location and timing. And it, it's basically throws that have a lower percentage of succeeding at first, but quarterbacks find a way with, you know, their skill to be able to, to complete a pass of that nature. But, you know, it, over, overall in his career, like he's 61% completion percentage, 14,000 yards, 92 touchdowns to 56 interceptions. And, and I get it, like that, that's just one stat, but I, I think we have to look more at, you know, more of the positives that he done. Cause I, I, I don't, I think he is definitely an average quarterback in this league, but I think he's closer to an above average quarterback than a below average quarterback. In my opinion, I can, I can, I really can see it, but I, I just feel like he won't prove it. E- even if Baker Mayfield could be a top 10 quarterback, you know, you could, you could say all day about he's not unlocking his potential, if he hadn't, if he hadn't done it with these past two Browns rosters, he's not going to do it with these next, however many chances the Panthers give him. Because people like like our, our very own Brandon Lynch are picking the Browns to win fourteen games this last season. I never saw it, but I mean the Browns they they have a good roster, and, and it looked like if they got twenty twenty Baker Mayfield, you know the team could have gone to the promised land, you know, potential to have a good, decent playoff run. And obviously that all starts with the quarterback. And another thing about Baker Mayfield is he's had problems in the locker room. He's had problems with coaches. He's had problems with other teams. He's had problems all over on and off the field. Uh, I I just think there's a, there's a lot of issues there to like, like Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. People don't want to put up with his on and off the field, off the court issues. And he's a top 15 player. Right. <laughs> Baker Mayfield doesn't crack top 15 no. quarterback. Of course. Um, and, and so that's why I think cool. the Browns are willing to pay, pay him $10 million this year and yeah. get a fifth-round pick just to have him off the roster. And, and, one last and I think thing that really does speak volumes. Of course. Of course. And one last thing I'll say is I think this move is going to help the Panthers a lot because when you have a guy in Sam Darnold who has 
done very little winning throughout his career. And, you know, <laughs> like the, the very littlest winning. <laughs> very, very little. You at least have Baker Mayfield who has made it to the playoffs and has won a playoff right. game. And it's not like you're bringing, you know, veteran experience because, you know, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, they're, they're from the same draft class. But Baker Mayfield just has more experience, obviously, as the pedigree as being the number one overall pick, I think. You know, the energy that he brings to the field, like, you know, Sam Darnold, he won, he's, he's doesn't have much personality to him. All, all, the only thing fun that's come out about him is that he was seen ghosts one game. But other than that, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> lackluster watching Sam Darnold on the field. I, I still don't think, like I said, Panthers are making the playoffs or anything, but as you know, for the next couple of years or however long it may be, I think Baker Mayfield's a, a good quarterback to, to be quarterbacking your team. Yeah, just out of curiosity's sake, I'm looking at the 2018 draft class. Yeah. And like I said, it's just such a piss-poor job by piss-poor franchises, really. Baker Mayfield goes first, terrible franchise. Saquon Barkley goes second. That franchise hasn't been relevant since Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning left. Jets take Sam Darnold at third. What do you expect? Denzel Ward, that was a good pick by the Browns. Yeah. Then you start getting into all these freaking monstrous names. You got Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, Roquan Smith, who's, by the way, a top three linebacker in the game. He doesn't get recognized as such. Um, Josh Rosen, for, for Pete's sake, Jet. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, you, you keep scrolling all the way down. Yeah, you I'm, see Lamar Jackson at 32. Well, that's the thing I'll say. Like, the Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson pick, like, the Bills and the Ravens, they're both laughing at the Browns. Right. And, and Hysterically. Um, Jets and obviously the Panthers, too, just because, like, obviously no one knew Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, what they were going to be, but uh, they got it wrong at the top there. You keep scrolling. You, you get to good franchises. The Colts take in the first 37 picks. Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith. Of course, I mean, way to bring the Colts in here. Now let's talk about the Dolphins. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick at 11. That turned out great. No, but I mean, seriously, I think I think there's something seriously to be said about. I mean, Baker Mayfield could have been, and, and we'll never know this now. Yeah. Baker Mayfield could have been Josh Allen, but like ownership. And from top down, I mean, absolutely everything. Ownership, general manager, head coach, quarterback coach, surrounding cast. It, it just it was never going to work because bad franchises make bad moves, such as what the Colts did in 2012, drafting Andrew Luck with no n- nobody else on that team besides T.Y. Hilton. Right. That's what the Browns decided to do. Uh, it just it, it doesn't work. It never will work. But teams will continue to do it but not the good ones. So Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Jet. Let's get into NBA free agency. About time. I thought I thought we weren't going to get to it again. I know I know football's your apparently your expertise as you told me before the show, but uh <laughs> Yeah, let's we'll get to some NBA free agency, Jet, as you continue to make sly comments at oh, me for yeah. no reason. Let's uh like I'm just going to read off some of the trades and free agency signings that we've had and you know, you can you can pick off of that and, and tell me which one you want to start off with. And obviously I think the big one trade wise was the Rudy Gobert trade traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves for four first round picks 
and five players, a, a massive deal there. Uh, the Celtics traded for Malcolm Brogdon. The Hawks got DeJounte Murray to pair up with Trey Young. They had to give up three first-round picks and a future pick swap. Uh, we saw, uh, in, in regards to free agency, we got we saw guys like John Moran, Nikola Jokic, Zion Williamson all, all get extended for very big deals. And then uh, P.J. Tucker going over the 76ers. We saw, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> we, we, we saw Zach Levine also resign with the, the Chicago Bulls on a five-year, huge $200 million-plus deal. We've seen a lot of different moves. I don't know if you have a, a specific move in mind that you want to talk about, and, and there's still so many moves to be well, made just because, you know, there's when you got KD and Kyrie still sitting there waiting for them what to do. Uh, still still a lot of offseason left, but any, any of those moves that I mentioned or something I didn't mention stand out so far? Let's start with the Timberwolves. Okay. Um, I absolutely love that move. A lot of people weren't huge fans yes, of it. I agree. I agree. I think that to have a a athletic scoring center to pair with one of the best rim protector bigs in the league is now going to be your four. I think that's a great start. Anthony Edwards is an insane player who's just going to continue to develop and develop, who, by the way, isn't small himself. And then – and I saw this absolutely terrible graphic, which I'm just going to bring it up. I'm not saying it means anything. I saw a graphic of Kyrie at the one, Anthony Edwards at the two, Katie at the three, Gobert at the four, and Cat at the five. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think that would kind of ruin the whole entire the they league would, at that they point. Would have no, they, who would they have coming off the bench? Someone in uh, <laughs> off the streets? Like, I don't even know how that would work. They'd probably just take applications. I mean, I would, I would, you know, put my uh, yeah. put my form in for that. Uh, I've I've seen Jet hit a mean seventy two footer. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, uh, no, I I think this team's going to be really good. Uh, obviously, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to Patrick Beverly as he <laughs> <laughs> just went through the most roller coaster of emotions he's ever been through. Uh, first, he wins the playing game and thought he won the finals, <laughs> and then he, and then he loses. Uh, thought he, you know, lost, lost a loved one, and then he got traded after talking smack to every player in the NBA. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry to what happened to him. But what, what was your take on this trade? Well, I think it was a this, great move. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I, and I was on another podcast earlier in the week and. My co-host just just doesn't understand the trade. He was like, "Oh, you gave up all these picks and and five players. The, the Timberwolves are gonna have no depth now. How do you pair these two big men together? It's just it's just not gonna work." The, Completely the different game plays. Well, yeah, and 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 here's the thing: like, you're getting a guarantee in Rudy Gobert. We we don't know what those um four first round picks are going to be like they could be four right. greg odin's for all we know and that, that's what i said on the other podcast like when you're getting a guarantee in someone like rudy gobert who who a lot like carl anthony towns can play all over the court he's 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 very well suited as a stretch four because you know he can mm-hmm. get beyond the arc and and shoot a three if he has to and and now what you do with adding, adding rudy gobert is you stabilize um, in the paint and you have someone that is not only going to be a shop blocker in the paint, not let anyone come into the paint. You're going to get a guy that's going to have probably a double, double every game. And for a Timberwolves team, that was 
early in the plan game last year and they won 46 games. I would not be surprised if they get over the 50 win mark this year. Yeah, I think I think that the Timberwolves, this is definitely their year. I, I Well, let me ask you this though. Do you think the depth thing is going to be an issue though? Well, I mean, depth is an issue for every NBA team except yeah. whoever has PJ Tucker. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we can go ahead and move on to that in a minute. But uh, finishing statements here for the Timberwolves. I think I, I agree with what you said. I think this is a 50-win team. Um, unless the Suns somehow pull off getting Kevin Durant without losing Booker, then this could potentially be a one seed in, in the West, you know, unless one Katie seed, goes really? to either the Suns or the or Golden State. Or Golden State. Okay, I, I I didn't want to take it that far, but uh, yeah, I I, I, I definitely well, think they're 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 a fifty plus win team. Obviously, we see why your expertise rely rely in uh, the NFL with with that well, thing right there. But I, I yeah, I, well, go ahead and clip this, put this on the Instagram, <laughs> and then archive it because we'll come back to this one year from today. That's fine. That's fine. All right, I'll send this over to the our, our friends at over at it's game time to see what uh get live reaction over there. So. Yeah, what was the the next? PJ Tucker is now a Philadelphia 76er. Congratulations on joining the best franchise in the East. He's very excited to have back to back one seed finishes. Um, he told me himself, and it looks like now that he signed a three year deal, he's going to have four one seed finishes in a row. So congratulations to PJ Tucker on you know an excellent ending to an excellent career. I think the biggest part about this move was just you you just don't want to play against him. Nobody wants to play against PJ Tucker. He's the most annoying defensive asshole in the league. So to have him on your side, it's an absolute major plus. Ten mil a year. I think I think he's absolutely worth it. I don't know if he will be at forty. No. But no, he won't. and 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 Jet says this now. He won't. But he was PJ Tucker. He was PJ Tucker's biggest fan about two months yeah, ago. So I, I'm still I'm still a big fan, and I'm obviously sad to see him go. But I, I just don't like what PJ Tucker's doing. You're going from one team to the next, and apparently he thinks the 76ers are going to be good this season. I, I don't think he's he's looked at the the record books. The 76ers are you know known to flop when you know the moment is is the brightest, and that's in the playoffs. Funny but, choice of words when you use the word flop and playoffs in the same sentence when Jimmy <laughs> Butler is a member well, of your roster. No, that's fine, but I'm, I'm just going to say <laughs> that P.J. Tucker's definitely going to add that depth that the, the 76ers desperately needed, and obviously he, he will be a year older. And So will the Anthony Melton. Don't care. Um, we saw also Jimmy Butler tell P.J. Tucker – to you know, go f himself after that. Uh, he did in a nice little little slot <laughs> comment in, in in the Instagram comments. I don't blame him. I, I just don't get PJ Tucker trying to. He's he's ring chasing, which I don't blame him. I mean, he has one, and he's at the end of his career. So, I I just think if you were gonna go ring chase, why don't you go to a team that's actually gonna be chasing a ring next year? He did. He didn't. But oh, that's strange. Um, one thing I also say is I'm very surprised that. James Harden did something that benefited the whole team by willing to, you know, take to, to restructure his contract to, to create more flexibility and adding PJ Tucker. So uh, shout out to him for doing that. I think that's the, the most team friendly thing we've, we've seen him do throughout his whole career. 
that's the most team friendly thing we've seen in, in a number of years in the NBA, I think. Oh yeah. We have it, we have yeah. Russell Westbrook opting in to make fifty million this year. And James Harden, you know, people, uh, critics are always gonna say, well, he would yeah, he just wants more money for more years, so now he's gonna get a three year deal. So what? Yeah. I, I think it, it helped both parties immensely. James Harden benefits because he's going to have like 90 guaranteed instead of 40. Uh, Sixers benefit because they're going to be able to spread it out over three years. Absolutely, yeah. And and I think that James Harden did a really good job of looking at the man in the mirror this offseason and saying, you know what, maybe I'm not worth it. Um, I'm declining. I'm a little bit older. I've lost that one big burst step to get by the first defender. Um, my floater wasn't on point this year. Whatever it is, James Harden, thank you very much for helping yeah. out the greatest franchise in the history of the NBA. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the 76ers anymore, so let's move on to a – Oh, last thing. Stuff. Last thing I will say, a picture surfaced of James Harden with abs. I don't believe so, it. I don't believe it. Uh, search it up. It's definitely photoshopped. I'll look at that later when I'm off hours. But let's let's get on to another trade that I really wanted to talk about. DeJounte Murray is going to the Atlanta Hawks to pair up with Trae Young. Like I mentioned before, Spurs got Danilo Gallinari, a 2023 first-round pick, 2025 first-round pick, and a 2027 first-round pick. I think this move is going to do wonders for an Atlanta Hawks team that really missed the mark last season after having a ton of expectations coming into the season. A lot of, a lot of people expected them to be a top-four team in the East, and their defense really was their downfall. Their offense wasn't a problem. And I believe that is all going to change now with DeJounte Murray adding adding a part to Trey Young's game that he cannot do well, and that's defense. And DeJounte Murray is coming off of an all-star season, and, and one of his biggest assets is being a really good defender. And for the Hawks, their overall defense has gotten better. My, my biggest concern for them is, is Clint Capella going to be enough to be that guy down low? At times, probably, but they, they may need, they may want to check in on potentially more height there. But I, I like the Hawks, you know, going out and, and getting Murray here, and I think we'll see them um, have a lot more success next season. They're definitely going to score more, Jet. I don't think – I just don't think this makes their defense um, – it doesn't improve the defense enough to send them to the playoffs. I know DeJounte Murray is, is, is much better on defense than Trey Young is. Obviously, they played the same positions and they were on separate teams. And I'm just looking at how crazy small ball this team is going to play this year. You look at their starting five, which ESPN's telling me is going to be Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. You're looking at 6'1, 6'4, 6'6, 6'8, 6'10. I mean, that's that's a lot of mismatches. Yeah. A whole lot of mismatches. Uh-huh. This team goes and plays the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Boston Celtics, who have two bigs, or a team with Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Um, it, it's going to spell for a lot of trouble. Well, well, that's why I said that. I think their biggest problem right now is having Clint Capella as their five, and, and there's yeah. still there's still some quality options on the free agent market if they're willing to go after like the Marcus Cousins, Hassan Whiteside. Or even potentially, maybe I don't think they have enough capital left to do this. But DeAndre, even like a guy like DeAndre Aiden, but I just think that's that that's out of the the range for them. But I, I definitely think I, I I think 
they'll they'll add another big man by the time the NBA offseason is over. And and I think they really do if they want to, um, you know, get back to the success they had two seasons ago. Timberwolves are the better year than the Hawks. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Jet. Yeah. You, did you want to talk about the Anthony Melton or? Um, I, you know, I, I don't. I, <laughs> okay. I don't did you want to talk about Nikola Jovic and his debut? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you want to talk about Chet Holmgren real quick? Yeah, let's talk about him. So, and I, I don't have the stats in front of you, but off the top of my head, this is what I remember. Chet Holmgren comes in, plays 25 minutes, scores 23 points, seven boards, four assists, and six blocks, setting the NBA Summer League record for blocks in a game. And, you know, obviously he didn't play Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. He didn't play any of these guys. Yeah. He didn't play the Jovic either. He didn't play any Jovic. Uh, But he looked good. I think – I. He has more doubters than anyone I've ever seen getting drafted in any major sport. I can't believe how many people are hating on him just because he doesn't have as much weight on him yet. The kid's 20 years old. Yeah. I I, I thought you were going to say something else. No, I, that was um, it, Jet. <laughs> no, I mean, it, the, way to, the way to usually end a statement like that is to, to end it off with, with something that makes sense to end on, kind of look like you're in the middle of a thought there, but – not a problem there. I'm, I'm here to pick up right where you left off. I, lo- I love I love Chad Holm- Holmgren coming into the draft, and I personally believe he's still going to be the best player in this draft class, but I, I do think we need to pump the brakes a little. I know you've been watching too much summer league basketball, so now you're still trying to get into the game and, and, and learn as much as you can. I didn't, you know, get to get to see this game and, you know, see, see, see the stats, um, you know, Come come full force on on my television screen, but from from what I've heard, he definitely looks the part. And but we just have to remember that he is going against a lot of the guys that may not even make an NBA roster. But it, it's definitely a step in the right direction from him. I'm I'm looking at a picture of him right now. I he definitely needs to put on some more weight. There, there's no doubt about it. I don't think he succeeds in the league if he if he doesn't do that. But the Thunder should be very happy with, with them being able to take him at number two, who potentially should have gone at number one. But a lot of time before we determine whether Chet, that's C-H-E-T, not Jet, um, <laughs> is, is really, really makes himself known in this league. All right, enough basketball, Jet. Let's get back to football. <laughs> Deal? Not a problem. All right. Time for the NFC North. And Jed has a very interesting takes for you, as as far as I know. I don't really know if he was telling me the truth in the pregame show, but we'll, we'll have to see here. Jed, I'm just going to start us off. I think this episode is running a little bit long. Yeah, for real. Chicago, Chicago Bears, they're coming in last in this division, I think, pretty easily. I am going 4-13, and 13, beating the Texans at home, the Lions at home. Falcons on the road, and the Vikings at home in Week 18. Um, Justin Fields has to take a big step, and even if he does, there's there's not a whole lot around him to help this team win any meaningful games this year, maybe not even next year. Um, this team has some pieces. Obviously, Justin Fields can do what he was advertised as. Um, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney. 
our very own Jet is very into Cole Komet, and I, I don't, I'm not seeing it, but he tickles like my fancy, Tommy. He does. Mentioned him earlier in the show, Roquan Smith. Um, four and thirteen, Jet. Two and four in the division. I, I, I don't get how you could have them doing worse this season because I, th- I think Justin Fields is only going to have a better year after you know we showed plenty of flashes in in year one, and and to say they have a two game worse. Um, season this year i just don't see that i i have them finishing a loss in this division though i just have them staying at the same record there isn't a whole lot to like on the defense obviously roquan smith is the centerpiece and other than that they have, they have a lot of young guys with obviously potential but you know potential is one thing if they can actually put that to use that that's another thing i think this has to more more to do with the fact that i'm, I'm pretty high on the bears offense as tommy mentioned they have a they have a receiver. Even though Darnell Moody doesn't profile as a wide receiver one, he's going to have a very good season. David Montgomery is a very good running back. Cole Komet is going to show that he's a very good tight end. I think if Justin Fields takes another step forward, I think he can have this team around the six seven win mark. I just think that you know we could see some some lack of performance from this defense, which is going to hold them back from potentially getting a, a significant win increase this year because they, they didn't make a lot of moves, you know, overall and, and one helping Justin Fields on the offensive line and two, you know, getting some more established pieces on the defense. And that's, that's why I have them decreasing in wins, not necessarily a Justin Fields issue at all, just a, a rest of the roster issue. I think a lot of, teams a lot of lower tier teams in the nfl this season got better and i just didn't see the bears take that step i think the jets are going to be better the lions the giants the commanders i think a a lot of these teams are going to be better Lions, yeah i said the Lions. yeah 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 uh you want me to say them twice because they play them twice no whatever you want to do i'm just i think i think the lions the lions i'm just pumped to talk about the lions i'm just so pumped i just really am but Go go ahead with your third place team. My third place team is the Detroit Lions. Wow. I have this team winning six games this year, going six and eleven, winning at home versus Washington, at home versus Seattle, at home versus Green Bay in Week Nine, at home versus Jacksonville, on the road in Carolina, which this was made before Baker Mayfield. But like Ooh. I said, I don't think he's that much of an upgrade. I'm keeping that game, and at home versus. The Chicago Bears. This roster is a lot better than the Bears, Jet. And, and I'll agree with you on that. But it's still Jared Goff, a quarterback, who has won some games in his career. But he, he, he didn't do anything last year to, to show any reason to believe that he is still that level of quarterback. He was getting slandered by a first-year head coach in the media. <laughs> Uh, coach literally came out and said, I just think our quarterback needs to do more for us. And after that, the, the Lions did take some turns to, to you know, play some better games. And, and a, a lot of the arguments surrounding this team is, well, they lost so many close games last year. But I feel like if you, you put any team under the microscope like that, I think that you can see that for a lot of teams in the NFL. Like, it's football like there's not it's not every day that you go out and you're blowing a team out or you're getting blown out by a team um, unless you're Bill Belichick and playing an in-division team that's terrible I, I just I don't I just don't think I don't see the argument that them losing close games last year means that they're going to win a ton of games this year they got better DeAndre Swift's a great runner Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams should 
you know, it should have a great receiving core. DJ Chark and TJ Hawkinson to round it out. Offensive line is good. It's just the defense, the defense I don't think is there yet. And like I said, Jared, you're only as good as the guy that's touching the ball every single play on offense. Yeah, and, and then the narrative that I'm about to talk about is nothing to do with them, you know, losing close games last year. There's a lot of more positives that I see in this team. And you don't know how badly I wanted to get this team over 500, but it's just too hard to do. We, we got to remember they were, what, 3-14 and 14 a year ago, 3-13 and – the so 13 and one last season. So you can only have them increase so much. And it's very hard to see them increasing by, you know, seven, eight, nine games this season. But I do have them going eight and nine. And I, I think that is a pretty good mark for them. And I, I think it's just because, and, and we got to keep in mind that there are a lot of questions on the defensive end. They did add some pieces in Aiden Hutchinson, which I, I'll, I'll just say it right now. I was going to say it a little bit later in my breakdown, but I'm going to say it right now. Aiden Hutchinson's going to win the defensive rookie of the, the year this season. Mm. I think that for the Lions, that's a match made in heaven considering they were in the bottom of the league in terms of getting, getting to the quarterback, getting sacks on the quarterback. And Aiden Hutchinson, while he didn't you know perform throughout his full tenure at Michigan, he had that final season where he really was playing like a new player and – Really, you know, he ended up overstepping uh, Kevon Thibodeau, who was originally the number one prospect in, in, in the draft. And Aiden Hutchinson leaped over everyone and, and got himself taken to the Lions at number two. So Aiden Hutchinson's going to win the rookie of the year. But let me let me go game by game breakdown of this Lions team. So I have them losing week one versus the Eagles and winning three straight against the Commanders, Vikings and Seahawks and then losing um, six straight to the Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, Packers, and Bears. And then I have them winning at the Giants in week 11, losing versus the Bills in week 12, winning versus the Jaguars in 13, uh, losing to the Vikings in week 14, beating the Jets week 15, losing to the Panthers week 16, and then closing out with two wins over the Bears and Packers. So gives them a, a record slightly below 500. And I want to talk more about uh, the offensive side of the ball, they they have one of the better offensive line groups in the league. And and obviously, you know, you can only do so much with that considering Jared Goff is your quarterback. But you talked about it. Jared Goff has shown he has had the ability to win in this league. And I get that that was with a totally different system led by a totally different head coach in, in Sean McVay. But Jared Goff, he had some weapons to work with last year and he looked pretty good and now he even has even more weapons you have Jamison Williams who is going to take them some time to return to his previous self DJ Chark is just another depth wide receiver to have a Monroe St. Brown coming off of a breakout season and then you're still anchored by your, your, your two cornerstones of your offense and DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson so there's a lot of nice young pieces to like here and I, I think based on you know Last season, they didn't have nearly as much talent as they do now. And I think just with that being said, when you're led by a good head, good head coach that just understands how to manage a group of players like Dan Campbell can, I think he, he has the ability to take this team to increase five-plus wins, especially in a very weak national football conference. Yeah, if we're going to talk about offensive weapons, we really can't forget about the most unnecessarily horrendous spot start of all time in my fantasy football career in Quintez Cephas. Um, I'm pretty sure I started this guy over like, like a maybe Sterling Shepard or something. I don't remember who it was, but he, he had zero targets, zero receptions, zero yards. 
Him and Khalif Raymond, though, they they put up some numbers last year, Jet. They did. So yeah, that's a good nugget. Um, interesting <laughs> to throw that out. I you know I think Quintus Cephas is a deep, 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 deep fantasy sleeper this year. So you know if you want to target him, go for I'm pretty, it. But, pretty sure he's going in like sixth or seventh round. Yeah, I don't. I, I you must be playing in um NFC, that's where sleeper has N- NFC um North fantasy league only. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know that, but uh. Very, very cool. And I know, I know you like talking about kickers. So they have Riley, Riley Patterson as their kicker. Uh, <laughs> did pretty well for them. And you know, why not? Why not talk about kickers when when we got a, a fan of kickers on the show? It is the year, Jet. The Minnesota Vikings. I am beyond excited to watch this team this year. They come in. In just about every category as a top 10. They have a top top 15 quarterback. Top 5 running back. A top, at worst, 10 wide receiving room. I'd, I'd, go, I'd say they have a top 12 tight end. I haven't really looked at tight ends. I think Irv Smith. I think he's a good player. CJ Ham is the best fullback in the league. Best name as well. But the defense is so, so, so slept on. Pat Pete, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter. Jet, I- I'm excited to watch this team. Greg Deleg Joseph, Jordan Berry. This team is going 11-6, and six, Jet. And, and I am so confident that this team is a playoff team this year. And I'm so confident that this team is not going to be an easy out in the playoffs this year. Um, let me let me give you the game by game breakdown. I want to know if you have any discrepancies. I have them starting six and zero heading into the bye, beating the Packers at home, the Eagles on the road, who I'm also high on this year, the Lions at home, the Saints on the road, the Bears at home. And that bummy team from Miami. Oh, my God. That, you lost me right there. Wow. <laughs> that bummy team from Miami on the road. Heading into the bye, they lose to the Cardinals. They beat Washington, lose to the Bills. They win three straight Cowboys, Pats, and Jets. They end the season on a low note. Um, before this point, they are 10-2. and two. They then lose four or five to the Lions, Colts, Packers, and Bears beating the Giants in the middle of that. I'm excited to watch this team this year, Jet. And I know you're not as high as them on them as me, and I'm struggling to find out why, and I'm excited to show you that you're wrong. Yeah, I, I'm not as high as you, but I still have them as a playoff team this year. I have them going 10-7, and seven, so you know, one game worse. I'll, I'll read my... Um, game by game predictions before I dive into this and and tell you why that Tommy for some reason thinks they're like going to the Super Bowl or something. But so I in the in the first six Colts Vikings book it. Uh, uh, all right, well, um, so yeah, so for me, Vikings win versus the Packers week one, win at the Eagles week two, lose to the Lions at home, win at the Saints, win versus the Bears, lose at that bummy team. From Miami, win versus the Cardinals, win versus the Commanders, lose two straight to the Bills and the Cowboys, win three straight to the Patriots, Jets, and Lions, lose versus the Colts, win versus the Giants, and then drop their final two 
to the Packers and to the Bears at home. I, I totally get what you're saying about this Vikings defense. I think that, you know, they're definitely an above average defense in this league. I think coming after last year with all the injuries they had and I think they were ranked towards the bottom of the league in pretty much every defensive statistic. And, you know, that was with, you know, Mike Zimmer, who is a very, very good defensive, defensively minded head coach. And they just weren't even able to get it done. And like I said, I know injuries were, were a big factor there, but you're bringing in a guy in, in, in Kevin O'Connell, who is obviously an offensive-minded head coach. And I, I think this offense, you know, it, it's been explosive in years past. I don't think anything like that's going to change. You're going to have another explosive season. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a very good year. I think K.J. Osborne is someone who could also really step big time, especially if someone like Adam Thielen uh, can't really stay healthy as, you know, the team would like. But as far as the defense, it, you know, a lot of these guys on this defense have been with the team for several years, and now they have to all of a sudden learn a new scheme. And, you know, it could potentially take some time to, to get used to. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a, a huge issue, but to say that I, I get why, like, I get what you're saying that they're going to be a tough out. I, I think, though, it, it more has to do with if they're going to be a tough out, more so their offense than their defense. I think their their defense is going to sit right around the middle of the league in terms of, you know, overall production throughout the season. Jet, I would go as far as to say they are top six in every position group besides maybe offensive line in the NFC. Really? I think so. I mean, can you think of a position that they're not? Um, I mean, I think that I think there's some questions though in the secondary. Patrick there Peterson, is. he's he's up there in age, and he, so is Harrison Smith. Too. Right, they're both they're both up there in age, and then they have two young guys in in Dantzler and uh, Lewis Cino. I, I believe is a rookie. It could be in the second year, but. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent. Yeah. But, but anyway, like they have two young, two really young guys and then two veterans and, and obviously injuries are one thing, but these guys are also going to have to keep up with, you know, guys that wide receivers and tight ends that are, you know, a lot younger than them. And it's possible that they'll continue to lose, lose a step as they continue to move forward in their career. And I think that is something to definitely look at. I, I love the addition though of Zadarius Smith. At, at linebacker, I think that is going to really help this defense, especially they – I believe they lost, like, Anthony Barr in, in the offseason, the free agency, um, Everson, Everson Griffin as well. So they, they did lose some notable names, but when you're bringing in guys like uh, Zadarius Smith, also Eric Kendricks as well, you know, their, their linebacking core is is definitely up there among the tops in the league because you have Jordan Hicks as well. So mm. – I like their linebacking core and then Daniel Hunter um, as well on the edge. That is, they have a nice group of linebackers in line. I think that part of their unit is very strong. I think more of the questions lie in the secondary because we know what Harrison Smith is capable of and Patrick Peterson as well. It's just a matter of, you know, one can they can the young up? guys step up and can the old guys stay healthy? Right, right. That's, but, that's I mean, realistically, that's every team in the NFL. Yeah. It, it is, and I, I think the big question is you talk about those their offensive line, 
and you know the the scheme's going to be changing a little bit with Kevin O'Connell coming in from the uh, Los Angeles Rams and it, it seems like they're going to be a more pass heavy team than in years past which you know I I don't fault them for that considering they may not be able to run it as well considering their weak offensive line but you know th- which is pre- also good for Dalvin Cook's health too yeah it, you know they they drafted a few guys in in this year's draft and they've been trying to get it get it to a, a good place and it, you know it's getting there but they do not have many holes among their offensive weapons, that's for sure. And then hopefully Irv Smith, you know, can overcome the the injury he suffered a lot. I believe it was an Achilles injury or or an ACL. One of those two is a very pretty severe injury. But the Vikings are a very good team. They'll be in the playoffs, especially because considering it's a weak NFC. I just think that Super Bowl contention. I don't know about that. Maybe in a couple of years. I don't. I don't know if Kirk. I, Kirk Cousins, well, this it, is this is their window. They they're not progressing. I don't think. Yeah, like Kirk Cousins can only do so much in the big games, and he just does not have a good track record of being able to win in those big games. And prove me wrong there. I don't think there's really any evidence showing that he has. Uh, just ask any Saints fan. Come on, come just on. Just ask any Saints fan. Just do it. He he won a playoff game on. You shouldn't even have won that game. <laughs> Just ask any Saints fan, Jet. He wasn't even the quarterback in that game. That was Case Keenum. That was Case Keenum. <laughs> oh, and a, oh, NFL expertise. I can tell you everything NFL related. Yeah. I never I've never claimed that. You did before the show. I didn't I never claimed I could tell you anything NFL Ridiculous. related. That's all I'll say. Uh, no, you almost got me there, and I'm pretty sharp with my NFL knowledge. And I, I, I called myself before we uh, published the episode, which was good. Well, that was the last time Stefan Diggs was relevant. So, <laughs> winning the NFC North is a very familiar face. I have the Green Bay Packers also going 11 and six, but having a better division record than the Vikings. Here's how I have their schedule playing out: losing to the Vikings on the road. Beating the Bears at home, losing to the Bucks on the road, winning four straight to the Patriots, Giants, Jets, and Commanders, then dropping two on the road to the Bills and Lions, winning four again, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles, and Bears, heading into the bye week, 15 and 16, they lose to the Rams and Dolphins, 17 and 18, they beat the Vikings and Lions at home, 11 and 6, 4 and 2 in the division, 8 and 4 in the conference, and... This team, it's it's very hard to have this team regress so much just from, realistically, they lost Devontae Adams and Zadarius Smith. And everybody's, everybody's kind of acting like they're going to be an irrelevant team this year. A lot of Cowboys fans that I've seen on social media think that this team is going to, like, they, th- like they, they think that the Cowboys are the only relevant team in the NFC. I, I don't understand it, but... It's still Aaron Rodgers who has made any single wide receiver he's ever worked with look like a top five receiver in the league. It doesn't matter. He's played with Randall Cobb before where Randall Cobb was a top five receiver. He made Jordy Nelson a top five receiver. Devontae Adams was average until he was the wide receiver one over there. He made Devontae Adams the wide receiver one. Why can't he do it? with Alan Lazard, who he's shown some favoring to, Randall Cobb again, 
Sammy Watkins, who, you know, I mean, he, Sammy Watkins is what Sammy Watkins is. And then two very young guys, Christian Watson was drafted this year, and Amari Rodgers was drafted last year. I have no reason to believe that and Robert Tunyon, who he loves in the red zone. I have no reason to believe that this offense regresses as much as people are thinking it will. Obviously, Devontae Adams is a, a major shoe to fill and a lot of, of touches to disperse throughout the rest of the offense. I think the main winner of Devontae Adams leaving is Aaron Jones, who is a great pass catching back, very good after the catch, and, and I think he'll, he'll be very prominent throughout this offense, and I think this offense will kind of live, live and breathe through him for a, a big portion of a lot of games. The offensive line is is pretty familiar. We've we've seen David Bakhtiari for a while. Um, it, it's going to be the same. Aaron Rodgers is always protected. The defense, Jair Alexander, top. Yeah, it's hard to say top one because he was hurt last year, but he's top five. Um, and like like we mentioned earlier, losing Zadarius Smith to a division rival hurts. It hurts a lot. I think he had eleven sacks last year. I, I, I don't see the regression that a lot of people see in this team. Obviously, there will be some. I don't have them winning as many games as they won last year, which I think was 13. 13, yeah. 13. And and, and 13 to 11, I mean, you could argue two games in the NFL is, is a massive amount of games. But schedules change, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think this team still with the NFC North, and I think that Aaron Rodgers with his new tattoo is going to continue to be a great quarterback. Yeah, I love the nugget uh, being thrown in there. <laughs> I, I I think I may be a little low on the Packers. I mean, I have them at 11 wins. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they get at the, get to the 12-13 mark again. I, I, I really don't think much has changed in regards to this team. I, I know I, – I think the Devontae Adams um, you know, loss is, is more significant than the uh, Zadarius Smith loss, in my opinion, because with, with Devontae Adams, you don't have many great options at the moment to – Obviously, no one's going to be able to replace him, you know, by himself. But if they can get just enough production out of Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Watkins, and Mari Rogers, maybe he can step up as well. You know, they, they should be fine. I, I, I'm excited about Robert Tanyan coming back. I think that is going to have a really good positive impact on Aaron Rodgers this season, like you mentioned, especially in the red zone. I, I don't think this offense is going to be struggling as much as you know a lot of people think when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers I I would take him and maybe only a few other quarterbacks that can really do a lot with less and and he's he's one of those guys that can really take advantage of that as far as the defense yeah the the loss of Darius Smith hurts especially when they're gonna have to face in two times and you know he's he's probably gonna have good games and and both times of the both of those meetings but they drafted a ton of defensive help in in the draft two guys quay walker and Devonte wyatt i think them collectively are going to make up for you know a lot of what uh zazarius smith brought to the table and then you know you still have like you mentioned jair alexander who was not really healthy down the stretch last season especially in the playoffs when they when they needed him the most and got a lot of returning guys on this defense not really much has changed you know Still, still a lot of continuity here. And, and with that being said, I think, you know, the offense efficiency wise, maybe a little worse, which is going to result in them losing a few more games this season. But overall, they're still going to win the division. They're still going to be in the playoffs, but we'll have to see, you know, 
what the the limit is for this team this year. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. And and just quick, because I'm I'm curious, do you agree with what, what I said about how you know it doesn't a lot of quarterbacks make a lot of receivers. I, am I right in thinking that Alan Lazard and and maybe even Christian Watson or um, I know it's hard to say Sammy Watkins and, and Cobb at their ages, but some of these younger guys or Alan Lazar, is it, am I wrong in thinking they could potentially just fill it, uh, Devontae Adams shoes completely or close to it? I don't think one of them could. I, I think that's very hard. Like none of these, yeah. neither of these players are as talented as Devontae Adams. And I know, you know, some of the debate has been, did Aaron Rodgers make Devontae Adams or Devontae Adams make himself? Devontae Adams is one of the best route runners in the league right. and one of the best wide receivers in the league. And, and that's great hands. He's strong. Yeah, exactly. I, he's, I, he's got all the tools for sure. Absolutely. And I, I think if Alan Lazard and Christian Watson were on another team, I don't think they're even relevant to be honest, not Christian Watson, more Alan Lazard, but we don't know what Christian Watson can do yet, but I think collectively as a group, they'll be able to make up for the production. I think a lot of it will have to do with Aaron Jones and Robert Tanya, and especially, you know, they have that chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. So does Alan Lazard, but if Christian Watson steps up and has a great rookie season, not that people are just going to forget about Devontae Adams, but the, the loss is going to be a lot less, you know, of, of an impact than maybe people initially thought. Inscrutable. <laughs> How's that for a transition? The life, the life just gets out of me when I hear that, when I hear that awful robotic voice every day. <laughs> Good thing you haven't heard it in about two weeks then. It was a good break. It was. Inscrutable. I-N-S-C-R-U-T-A-B-L-E. Inscrutable means not readily investigated, interpreted, or understood. It often describes what is mysterious or difficult to comprehend. It is inscrutable that Jet thinks the Miami Heat will be relevant without defensive god P.J. Tucker. There's a reason for that, though. It is inscrutable that Jet still thinks the Dolphins are going to win more than 10 games this year. It is inscrutable that Jet thinks Nikola Jovic is the same exact person as Nikola Jokic. Jet, unfortunately, it is inscrutable that you think the Miami Marlins Uh, were going to finish in third place this season. They still can, and they still will. It is inscrutable that you say that after winning maybe two division games all year to this point. Outside really? Of the really? Outside of the Nationals. It hasn't been two. I can tell you there's been at least four against the Phillies. So Four? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's three. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure we're three and three this year so far. Either way, though, every time I check, it, you guys are getting blown out by the Mets oh, who are stop. trying. Oh, stop. Listen, no, listen, stop. listen, listen. The Mets are trying their absolute hardest to do exactly what I said they were going to do. And the Marlins have gotten in the way of this in two series in the past, like, two weeks. It, it's absolutely inscrutable. What are you I can't. Even talking about? I can't comprehend it. What do you mean, what am I talking about? They have one. This is the, the worst <laughs> loss of the season, and obviously, you know the recency bias is going to kick in. For some reason, the Marlins just have not had success against the Mets this year. But overall, in in the um, in the East this year, if this is this should be correct, they're twenty two and fourteen. I'm pretty sure. 
there's no way. I don't. There's absolutely no way. I, I, I think I'm looking at. I don't know what this is, but baseball, unless you played the Nationals, we've played the Nationals. We've, we're 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 twelve and one against the Nationals. So, um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it must be nice to have such an easy schedule. Well, you know, we're we're among the league's uh, hardest schedules. You know, according based off the last day. So, um. I don't really know where you were going in any of those statements. I'm I'm happy you got to touch on um you know all of my favorite teams. It's nice to hear some some more recognition, especially you know with with some of them not getting as much recognition as I would have liked in, in episodes past. So I I appreciate that there. As far as the Dolphins, I cannot comprehend. It is inscrutable that you think Tua Tagovailoa is a top 20 quarterback. He is, yeah. You could even go as far as to say it's disgraceful. That's fine. I mean, this It year... is inscrutable that the Dolphins would pay such a high price for Taron Armstead to not protect Tua's blind side. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's fine. Um, I'll, we'll get to our AFC East predictions, obviously, eventually. But, yeah, the, the Marlins were 22 and 15 against the East. I don't know why you didn't believe that, but... Uh, more than whatever you said, like two wins, definitely there. But um, so, yeah, Marlins, two is going to have a sensational season. The Heat are going to be fine without uh, P.J. Tucker. Jovic is the future, along with Haywood Highsmith and uh, hopefully Kevin Durant. I doubt it, though. And then uh, as, far, as far as the Marlins, there's there's a lot to like with this team. You know, a couple of games under 500, only three and a half games or so behind the Phillies for third in the Eastern Conference. Not not at all. Out of the reach, only I believe four games out of so, a wild card spot. So, so the Marlins are seventeen and twenty eight against non division opponents. Okay, that's just sad. Why is it? What are the Phillies? I don't. I don't know. What are the Phillies in division? And I'll tell you. Phillies in division are much worse than the Marlins. I know that. Phillies versus the NL East. Let's see. It is not showing me. This is really letting me down tonight, guys. Ken's fucking us hard. Ken is really wow. This is bad. This is really bad. Ken, you're fired, dude. This Ken. Oh boy. So the Phillies are 15 and 19 against teams in the NL. It's very, very subpar for a subpar subpar team. If you want to get into the playoffs, you first got to start with having a. 500 plus record against Indiana. so we're 29 and 20 against non-division opponents yeah what is that like the pirates reds like uh haven't um, played either of those teams yet this year haven't played any of those three teams yet this year so funny that, so the thank you very much diamondbacks rockies Ooh, uh, you know what we did play the diamondbacks for three games we yeah. played the rockies i think for seven right right so but the funny thing is we got slept by the rockies in one of those series so. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, you can call it how you want. We play up to our competition and we play down to our competition. Yeah, I mean, when so you know, all we got to do is sneak into the playoffs yeah. and that's a World Series. I, know, I, I mean, I was just looking. That's why we play so bad against the Mets and the Marlins. Play down to competition. Yeah, I, the, only, the only thing, the last thing I'll say about this is, you know, uh, the, the name the name's slipping my mind right now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Derek Hall. Let's talk about him for a second. I was just looking, <laughs> I was just, I was just looking across lineups across the league today, and when I think of a number four hitter, you know, 
I, I think of a pure power bat and someone that has sustained success for a long time in the league. Not a guy that's been in the league for two weeks. I think that's just poor managing by the RTF. Not really sure what the strategy was there and in starting Derek Hall at the number four spot. I get it's a weak lineup. You know, you got Bryson Stott, Matt Beerling, and Mickey Moniak as your seven through nine. Nowhere near as desirable as you want. But... Well, look, Jet, let me let me just stop you right there. You, you want to talk about prolific power bats and, you know, whatever the hell you want to say. Derek Hall, his, OPS, his current OPS would be third in Major League Baseball on qualified players. Okay. So he is the prolific power bat. Really? Okay. So this, he it's, is. A, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty small sample size. If you ask Four me. home runs in five games. So 31 at bats. He has, yeah, so thir- 31 at bats. What do you say? Four home runs, five home runs, seven RBIs. Four, home, four home runs. Four home runs, seven RBIs. Few doubles. He, this is a very, like, this, this guy it was nothing before this year in AAA, and all of a sudden he thinks he can just come into the league and just start out performing all expectations. Obviously, what goes up must come down, according to the underlying metrics. It really, really are not favorable as, as far as Derek Hall. I, I can really um, go into more detail. Here's what I know, Jeff. What I know is that he has 400 more points to his OPS than the Marlins four hitter in Jesus Aguilar. And he only... <laughs> In in two hundred and fifty less at bats, yeah, has six less home runs. Well, well, tell me about like career career to date. How many home runs does Jorge Soler have to Derek Hall? Jesus Aguilar. Jesus Aguilar. How many does he have compared to Uh, Derek Hall? One hundred three to four. Honestly, I thought Jesus Aguilar had a lot better of a career than this. But anyway, like, didn't you? No, I I knew you. He had like one thirty plus home run season, and then yeah, Brewers, and then not much like as far as the home run department. I thought he was a lot better than that. No, no. Wow. I thought Derek Hall was That's, a lot better too. Right. Until I bad franchises. Today. Bad franchises make bad moves. So yeah, it's I mean, kind of Mickey Moniak hey. with your first round pick. I mean, guy draft a guy name guy with the name Mickey. I think you're 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 bound for disappointment anyway. Listen, that could be the episode title: Bad franchises make bad moves. Maybe. I think uh, we're, we're reaching the four-hour mark on this episode. So. Four-hour mark? All right. Well, in that case, could be time for a new word of the day. Yep, past 12 a.m. Word <laughs> of the day part two? <laughs> Some people. All right, everybody. Thank morning. you so much. Thank you so much for watching. Jet, you're not one of them. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed this installment of the 25-8 Sportscast episode 41 Nine more episodes until our 50th web show, spectac- Spectacular. Probably first, be nine weeks on the right First way, founded by iCarly. iCarly's 50th web show, Spectacular. 25-8 Sportscast, 50th Sportscast, Spectacular. Super excited to have it. Lastly, we will not be doing a division next episode. We will be going over just the NFC. In case one of you guys missed one of the last four episodes... We're going to give our 1 through 16 in the NFC, as told by our predictions so far. I'm Tommy. That was Chet. And this was the 25-8 Swordscast. Thanks keep it, everybody keep an so eye much for listening. Call. Regression's on the way, guys. And that's it, D-A-R-I-C-K, because mom and dad wanted to be a little bit different. See you guys. <laughs>